Hello and welcome to the Augustine Institute show with Dr. Tim Gray. I'm filling in for Tim tonight and my name is Dr. Ben Akers. We celebrate Pope St. John Paul II's apostolic exhortation on families called in Latin Familiaris Consortio. It was his exhortation and challenge and invitation to families to live the Christian life as a domestic church, that their family should mirror what the church is living. That's a challenge. He says and invites us, John Paul II does, to say that our family should be a place of encounter. Our home should be a place of peace and harmony between faith, family life, and work. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like more like a competition between those things. We're also preparing to go back to school. And going back to school always gives us an opportunity for a fresh start, to begin again things that we, habits we might have lost during the summer. Well, my guest tonight is going to give us some pro tips, some practical guidelines of how to incorporate the faith into our families and live liturgically. Tonight, I have a special guest. She's the author of Catholic All Year, The Prayer Companion, The Liturgical Year in Practice, Kendra Tierney. She is the mother of 10 children, the wife of one husband, and she blogs at a very popular blog and Instagram and YouTube channel called Catholic All Year. Welcome, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're, you're, you're in a beautiful setting. Is, is that your house? Yeah, this is our uh, converted attic storage room, now uh, home chapel. I love it. Well, this is, this is something that you write about. I think you can even call yourself an expert on, uh, of, of how to live the faith at home as a domestic church. And uh, I want to get into some practical questions, and we're going to have people that are going to write in and ask questions as well. But what made you start writing about this and blogging about this topic? Yeah, I think that, uh, like a lot of us, my... Uh, sort of reconversion and rededication of myself to the faith came as a response to, uh, you know, to being a parent, to having kids who were asking me questions and wanting to be able to answer those questions for them. And, you know, realizing that I wanted my kids to have this deep and true understanding of, of our faith. And so, you know, my husband and I started talking about it. We we're thinking, you know, we really want our kids to be able to do the tough stuff. We want to, um, you know, abstain from meat on Fridays. We want to really give it a go on Lent. We want our kids to be able to sit through mass and say the rosary. And, and those things are all really good and important. And we still strive for those. But I realized that I was sort of presenting an incomplete picture of, of the faith to my kids. As I was researching it, I realized, you know, we can't just observe Lent, you know, it's, some people observe nothing at all, but you know, for us, we, we stepped back in with Lent, but we weren't really observing Easter. And I realized that you know, there's this balance that, that is given to us by the church of these times of fasting and uh, you know, these difficult spiritual practices. And they've always been balanced out historically by, by the feasting and by periods of joy. And so as, as I looked more into the, these traditional church practices, I realized that, you know, not only does it create balance in our family life, it, it really 
creates an opportunity to catechize our, our family and our friends and our neighborhood, you know, in this gentle daily kind of way where, where it really does this, this calendar that the church has given us and these saints and feast days are little opportunities to learn about church doctrine and the lives of the saints in, in you know, in a, in a fun way that sometimes includes food puns. <laughs> well, and even today on the feast day of St. Lawrence, he's known as the patron saint of cooking, even though he himself was grilled alive. And, you know, as a quip of turn me over, I'm done on this side. So I love the, the Catholic faith, the humor. And you're right about the balance between the faith of, you know, the carrying the cross, but also the celebration that our Catholic faith is not just Good Friday every day. It also involves Easter Sunday, that those seasons of fasting help us to celebrate even more. And I'm reminded of a story of St. Teresa of Avila, who one of her sisters found her eating in the kitchen in the middle of the night, and she was eating a pheasant. And she was just shocked. She was, you know, Ter Mother Teresa, you, you know, St. Teresa of Avila, you are, you know, the, the, the superior, and, and we're, we're supposed to fast. And the famous line is, when I fast, I fast. When I pheasant, I pheasant. <laughs> this good, like humor of, yeah, we need to, at the times of fasting, we need to fast and we need to make sacrifices. But at the time of celebration, the solemnities and holy days, those are meant to give up the things that we normally sacrifice from and to celebrate our faith. Right. I think that we definitely can err on, on both sides. And, you know, we, we maybe live in a society that has forgotten all about uh, fasting. Um, but, but I know that for me on my road back, I kind of erred too far on the other side at first and, you know, finding, finding those ways to, to share the joy and the humor of, of our, of our faith and these fun traditions that, that are, are mindfully included on the church calendar in order to give us those opportunities for community and for fun. Um, and to really try to embrace those as part of our domestic church, as part of our parish life, um, you know, and, and, and to, to make our Catholic faith something, you know, that, that it's, it's right there in the name of my blog and book, you know, all year, but, but that, that would be so hard to walk away from for, for ourselves and for our kids, because it's not just another way to go to church. It's it, it's woven through our whole life. It's it, you know it, it's things that we eat for dinner on a particular night of the year, and you know it, I just I love how how this type of of observation of the faith just gets into all the different way you know all all the different parts of our lives, and you know it, it's my hope that uh, that that that. Uh, that combination of of really having a, a better understanding of of what these feast days teach and what they mean and also how fun they are would make it really hard for for my kids to to walk away from ever what well, one of the uh, Christians uh, Smith is the Catholic sociologist at the University of Notre Dame noted when he studied what keeps kids Catholic when they grow into adulthood you know so is, is it sending them to a Catholic school is the example of the parents. And, and it came down to, among many things, just the one simple fact of the children, the parents were willing to talk to their children about God and have spiritual conversations on days that just weren't Sunday, that weren't just meant for the church. That is, the faith is, as, you, as your title uh, of your book it says, all for all year. It's for every day of the week, all year. And the church has this wonderful liturgical calendar of the saints and, and, uh, and seasons of the church that we celebrate. 
Well, I'm very heartened to hear that because that really is the center of, uh, of this sort of method that we've adopted in our family and with our children. I, I like to call it the apostolate of the dinner table. And, you know, sometimes it involves extended family members and sometimes it involves, you know, friends and neighbors, but, but really the, the heart of it is our family. And, and, and what I love is that the, um, these types of, uh, of celebrations that, that I talk about in my first book, The Catholic All Year Compendium, and then the prayers that are included in this prayer companion are, are wonderful in and of themselves, but, but they are also great in, in our experience as a jumping off point for conversation. And that's, you know, when we have a, a meal that's based on the country that a saint is from, um, or we have, you know, we make s'mores on the feast of St. Thomas More because, you know, it's close. It's close enough. Same word, um, yeah. But well. really what that is, is a jumping off point for conversation. And, um, and it's, it's a way to, to talk about, you know, the, the, the lives of the saints and how they can inspire us and what that means for our daily lives and how we face challenges. And I mean, it's, it, it's those conversations that are so meaningful. And I love how, because of this rhythm of the church, we come back to them again and again as the kids are at different ages and at different levels of understanding. Well, Kendra, before I follow up with a question on the, that I have about the domestic church and the family meal, I'd like to invite our viewers at home to text in or make a comment on the forum channel below with a question that you have for Kendra, 720-650-0100. 720-650-0100 is our text line. You mentioned the family meal, and I just can't help but think of modeling yourself on the life of Christ and the way that he spent his time with his apostles and in our Jewish, you know, older in the faith, Jewish brothers and sisters, that so many beautiful conversations and so much is revealed over the table and the conversation at the meal. Yeah, I really think that when, when people ask me, you know, what what's the one thing, you know, what's one thing we should do? And there are, obviously you got to go to mass and the sacraments. Um, but, but I think that, that the, the most important thing that we have done for our family culture outside of the sacraments is making family dinner a priority. And there it, it's so hard and everybody is so busy and, you know, with 10 kids, it's so easy to, you know, to give in to that busyness and everybody's got things going on and, you know, people say toddlers are, are a challenge, you know, but teenagers with multiple cars and, you know, multiple activities, just being able to keep that family dinner as a big priority in our family, you know, and my husband who works long hours, he makes it a priority to be home for dinner. Um, and, and, and that's really actually one of the, um, sort of motivating factors for why I, I put together the, the Catholic All Your Prayer Companion. I didn't write any of these prayers. I, I found them, I fished them out of, you know, dusty corners of the, uh, you know, and old prayer books. And, and I, I really put it together to help my husband in, uh, in his role as sort of the leader of our domestic church and wanting to share these, these prayers with our kids, but not having time to uh, to do a lot of research on on what feast day it is and and what prayers are associated with it, so you know that's something that I love to do. And uh, and before I would just you know print them out, find them and print them out and leave them where I could find them. 
but now it's a handy book that we just leave in our dining room and he can crack it open and and my kids get to see their dad praying hmm. um it's not just something they see you know during the homeschool day with mom that's beautiful how would someone at home use both these resources the the prayer companion and also the compendium uh, so today we celebrate saint lawrence for example how would someone take both these resources and implement it at a, at a family meal yeah, so the Catholic Year Prayer, uh, sorry, the Catholic Year Compendium, which is the first book I put out uh, with with Ignatius Press, it has just a little summary of uh, of the life of uh, Saint Lawrence, and uh, because I know, you know, my kids are going to ask me, and this way I can brush up on it and, um, and and hit the interesting parts of his life, and it also gives just some little ideas for how somebody might want to celebrate the feast day at home with their family. Like we're going to grill out. We're just going to, you know, we're going to have some hot dogs. And then our, uh, our sort of big family tradition is a, uh, a family comedy night. So the kids get up and badly tell jokes and, uh, and, you know, especially knock knock jokes that don't make sense from toddlers are, are very memorable and fun, but because he's the patron saint of comedians and because he's grilled, so, uh, so that's what we do. And, and then the prayer companion has the collect prayer for the day, which, you know, especially if you, you know, whether or not you were able to make it to mass today, it's a beautiful way to sort of seat our domestic church within the universal church and, and the liturgy and sort of connect our prayer to masses all over the world. And there's another prayer um, for, the, for St. Lawrence in there also. For other days, there are scripture readings. If uh, if it's a feast day that is associated with scripture verses, there are you know novenas and litanies. Litanies are always great because everybody can you know sort of shout a response. Right. But uh, you know these uh, so the two books can definitely function separately, but uh, but go well together. Kendra, I have a question from uh, Gina that comes in uh, that I had used the phrase and you used the phrase as well about what is the domestic church? What do we mean by this phrase? Yeah, I guess I don't know what the technical, you can probably <laughs> answer that, but you know, what I consider it is, it, it is just a, a focus in the home on, on our, uh, on growing in, in faith. And so to not outsource the responsibility for, for our our prayer life and for growing an understanding of church teaching can't just be the responsibility of our priests uh, at mass on Sunday or even at mass all week. That that we have a responsibility to build our domestic church and and especially we have that responsibility to to teach our children uh, in the faith and and to continue to grow ourselves and since we live in our homes, you know, that's got to be the, the seat of our, of our domestic church. No, that's a, that's a, that's a great response. You get an A on that from the, <laughs> the theologian. And I, I think that exactly like, like your book has so many wonderful tips on that of our domestic church should look like the universal church and so should follow the pattern of the liturgical year. It should have an element of the liturgy of the word, which we celebrate at the Eucharist, at, at, at Mass. So we hear the word of God proclaimed and, and your prayers bring that out. The liturgy of the Eucharist, where the sacrifice of Christ made present for us at the Mass, we make that present in our own lives. So the parents, you know, sacrifice for their children. The children see that sacrifice of their parents and also, you know, show that charity towards one another and so much is built around the meal the eucharistic meal where we actually receive jesus present body blood soul and divinity but 
the very Catholic principle of when we meet, we eat. And so the <laughs> gathering together, and so I love that family apostolate. That was the, of the, fam the apostolate of the family dinner. That was actually, I'm the oldest of six kids, so we weren't as many as as you're blessed with. Uh, but it was always a priority for my family to get together. So sometimes we're eating dinner at four o'clock because of you know the schedule. Sometimes we're eating dinner together at 8.30 at night together. But that was, what, that was the time that we spent together as a family. Another question that just came in from Jane. Jane asks, I struggle daily to make time to pray because of my job and my kids. Can my work be considered a prayer? I, I think it can be considered a prayer and it must be, but, uh, and, and that that's, that's a beautiful way to, to offer the things that we do to, to God and to, you know, I know for me, it motivates me to do the, my tasks better if, if I am um, seeing them as a prayer. But I also think that we do need to set time apart. And even though we are so busy to, to figure out a way to, to make that work uh, with your schedule. And, uh, you know, to me, I know if, if I say a morning offering, even if I get to nothing else, that means that I have offered my day to God already. And, and so if that's all you get to all day, that's a really good first step. And then once that's part of your family, your personal routine, or, you know, if you're doing it with kids or family routine, then you can add more and more things in. You can set an alarm on your phone uh, and say an Angelus at noon, you can, when you're stuck in the car, don't turn on the radio, um, say a rosary instead. And I, I know those, um, those types of, of things have, um, have been really motivational for me. And, you know, I, I, I'm a, we'll call it, we'll, we'll say it's childlike instead of childish, but I, I like to reward myself when I, uh, get to the, the things that I want to do on my plan of life. So, you know, if I get to my family rosary, well, then that means I get to watch a show or something like that, that, that if I, if I associate it with something that maybe I feel like I want to do more, um, then it helps it get done. No, that's great. Positive reinforcement. It works. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis has this quote about prayer when he writes to his nephew. He says, prayer can sometimes seem irksome. I'd rather do anything else. I'd rather fold laundry. I'd rather do the dishes than pray because it feels like a chore. But we start to begin to realize that prayer is a relationship and it's any good marriage and any good friendship survives. It's because of communication. And that's the, you know, that, that's what prayer really is. It's a communication. It's a two people in love talking to one another about what's on their minds and their hearts. Well, a question yeah, just came. It's a conversation. A conversation with God. Rhonda asks, how can anyone make time for all the different devotions between the chaplet, rosary, Marian consecrations, etc.? It can feel overwhelming, Kendra. What would you say to Rhonda? I would say that that's exactly why I wrote this book. <laughs> Um, that it is, uh, I know for me, it was really overwhelming. I didn't grow up, uh, I, I grew up Catholic and with all my sacraments, but I didn't grow up um, with the habit of, of incorporating these different types of prayers. And as you, you know, you kind of heard of the rosary, but then, uh, you know, learning there's all these other types of prayer. There's all these other devotions that, that different people say are the most important and the, you know, the one that has affected them the most. And it can be overwhelming because there's no way that you could get to them every day. Um, and, and you know, we'll f so what I love about the liturgical framework of praying is it really does give us the opportunity to try these different devotions as they're associated with different feast days. And some of them hopefully will find 
are are really meaningful for us and maybe they won't be exactly the one that that your friend said is her very very favorite and maybe it won't be the one that the priest says uh you, you know you, you everybody has to do maybe the one you'll find one that's different that really speaks to you and that one you can incorporate more often but then others that maybe you didn't feel like you have time for every day you can use the liturgical year uh, i i know for me, the the every month has a different uh, a different emphasis on the church calendar. It's not just days; it's months as well. And so, for instance, the uh, October is the month of the Rosary. So, anytime I've fallen out of the habit, you know, uh, October is such a great reminder to get back into it. And then praying for the Holy Souls in November. We, sh I know, I should be praying for the Holy Souls every day, um, but. November existing and especially the eight day uh, <clears throat> uh, indulgence for the holy souls at the beginning of November. If you don't get to it every day, there's this beautiful week where we can really focus on it. And so I think to cut yourself a little bit of slack, no one could get to all these devotions every day. But if you're like me and you need a little bit of a reminder, or a little bit of a framework, that's what the liturgical calendar's for. Yes, I mean, something is better than nothing. And try new things. My own family, I've been blessed with five little kids, and with different seasons of our life, even with those five little kids, some uh, devotion has popped more than another has. And you know, something we did the previous year, we forgot to do that next year. And it's just the saints have this wonderful phrase that they say in Latin, nunc chapi. Phil Rivers, the quarterback for San Diego, mm -hmm. will all, you know, has a hat where he wears it on. I love it at the press conference. Nunc chapi, now I begin. Every chance, every, every moment of every day is a chance to begin again and start over. Uh, Kendra, Brianna asks, and I think she's asking this question for, for many people that are viewing it, how have you handled times when your kids aren't enthusiastic about praying or going to Mass? I would say that the best way to handle that is to get out in front of it, and that's not going to be an option for everybody, and I think that, you know, there's, there are always ways to incorporate it or incorporate prayer, uh, even with, even starting with older kids. But when you start when your kids are really young, it just really becomes part of your family culture. And we have found that, that we don't get a lot of pushback on it because it's just something that's really expected. Um, and in some ways, I think that if there is a lot of pushback, it's not necessarily a religion issue. That's probably more of just a parenting concern. And that, you know, if it's something that's a priority for your family, you just tell your kids, hey, this is what we're doing. And, um, and in my house, we, my, my kids can face the same sorts of consequences that they would for other behaviors that we don't prefer uh, if they, uh, you know, are choosing to misbehave during prayer time. Um, and, and we've just really found that if it's part of our family culture, and then especially when it's tied with fun and uh, with fun activities, and it's not just always a drag, sometimes it's you know, snow cones on the Feast of Our Lady of Snows, um, so that we have those positive reinforcements. And and also, it's just something that we we do a lot. So they have the expectation that we're going to do it. I love that. Those are so, so creative ideas. The, the, the book is chock full of them. So those who are watching home and wondering whether or not you should get this book, you should get this book. It has so many creative ideas like that. Uh, Kendra Tracy asks, what have you found to be the hardest part of raising your kids Catholic? I don't know. 
uh, the hardest part of raising a kid's Catholic, I don't know. I mean, I, I really just, I love it. I think it's the loveliest way to, to raise my kids. And um, what I really appreciate about, about the, the Catholic faith is, is the consistency of it, that I think it would be that, that it's hard to, to raise kids and give them a, a moral framework without the support of the church and without the example of the saints. Um, so I, I have found that that it doesn't make it more complicated to, to raise my kids. We were always gonna, you know, fill our days with something and and, and, to, and to fill our days with, with saints' lives and, um, and conversations around the dinner table um, and, and the sacraments and, you know, family pilgrimages and family activities. I mean, it's just all, it, it creates, you know, family memories and shared experiences and, and a deeper understanding of our faith. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, how I would do it any other way. Well, Kendra, you have a range of children. I think, is it, is it two to 20 or one to 19 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, one to 19. One yeah. to 19. If you had to, if you and your husband look back at your first years of marriage, is there anything that you wish you would have known this first couple years uh, for maybe somebody that's watching that's just starting off their family? Yeah, uh, um, and it, it definitely is. When I look back, I, I look back at all the things that I worried too much about, and uh, um, and I, I definitely, you know, to, to jump back to the to the previous question, I definitely worried, oh no, my son is misbehaving during the rosary. What does that mean? And, you know, now with my 10th, I know that it means that she just needs to take a nap. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with anything uh, more important than that. Um, but, but I, I do think that having many kids gives you that that perspective that um, you know that things tend to work themselves out and that um, that that working on our relationship with God and our relationship with our children, being willing to make sacrifices for them and spend time with them, um, I think goes so far. Um, it, and I guess the most important takeaway for me is that that I think you can, there's this like sort of 1960s mindset, you know, early the 20th century mindset of, of the father knows best and, and, you know, parents know best. And there was, I think this concept of that, you really have to know what you're doing. And, and I don't think that that's what our Catholic faith requires of us that yes, we're in charge of our kids, but only because God happened to put us at the top of the family and and them as the kids and just like joseph and mary didn't have to know better than jesus they were just his parents we don't have to know everything we don't have to have all the answers and and so that we can just work on this process with our kids and alongside them and and all try to grow in in knowledge and understanding and holiness and to be able to say i don't know the answer to your question but i'll find out to be able to say you know, I messed up, I'm sorry that, and, you know, when my kids see me sin, they also see me go to confession. So we don't have to be perfect in order to pass our Catholic faith onto our kids. Um, you know, that's not possible for us. Uh, and, and so just, I think it gives them a more realistic 
expectation for their own lives and their own families too if we can be more honest than you know than uh black and white tv shows about families Kendra, that's a that's a wonderful response and that was the question i was i was going to close with was we live in a culture of death and which means so many different things and first and foremost thank you for you to the witness of you and your husband for being open to such a big beautiful family of, of 10 children uh, but that means that politics, economics, social forces are you know, pushed against our children and our families today. And it's so difficult to raise, it's so difficult for ourselves as adults to live as Christian disciples in the culture today. And how much more difficult is it to raise children that are going to be Christian disciples when they reach adulthood? So uh, thank you so much for this resource that you've provided uh, for us. Well, thank you. And, you know, like I said, right at the beginning, it, you know, it's my kids are such an inspiration to me to, to learn more and, and, and to be better. So um, I'm grateful, you know, th these books wouldn't exist without them and their inspiration. So I'm, I, I'm, it has been a lovely way uh, for our family to live. And I'm so grateful to be able to share it with other people. Kendra, if someone wants to find out more about your work, your apostolate, your ministry, where can they go? Yeah, my blog is uh, catholicallyear.com, and I'm also on social media. Um, and uh, yeah, you're welcome to find me and reach out to me there. Uh, the books are published by Ignatius Press and uh, are available on my blog and from there and wherever books are sold. <laughs> Thank you, Kendra. And I wanted to highlight that the book we were discussing that used as a basis of our conversation today was the Catholic All Year Prayer Companion, The Liturgical Year in Practice by Kendra Tierney. And as Kendra mentioned, it's available on her site, but it's also available on Catholic Market. So if you'd like to, to find this resource and others, uh, we have a Catholic store that's run out of the Augustine Institute as well. So Kendra, thank you again for joining us and thank you for joining us at home and God bless. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.